Good morning. It is great to see you. Some of you have a confused look on your face. You're wondering who I am. Uh, we've never met before, and that's great uh, that we haven't met. I'm glad to be able to meet you this morning. My name is Brian, and uh, I pastor our campus in Belmont. Uh, Burlington, or Mount Hope, is one church with two locations. We have a location in Burlington. We have a location in Belmont. Uh, if you're not sure which location you're in, you can ask your neighbor, and I'm sure they can help you figure it out. Uh, but I've been around Mount Hope for a while, uh, a little over 10 years, and uh, Lori and I have, my wife and I and our two kids have been over in Belmont for six months already, which I cannot believe it's been six months since we started that campus in September, and God has done some great things in those six months. Uh, we come back here every so often, every two or three months we come back for a Sunday, and I'm just reminded how grateful we are to be a part of this family, a family that has the vision to start something new and to go and reach other people with the gospel, not, only, and, and not just around the world like we've talked about, but also in our own backyard. And so I'm here to tell you that's happening and that God is at work, and I just am so thankful for you. Thank you for all that you have done uh, to help make that happen. This morning, we're going to be in Psalm chapter 90. If you've been with us over the last few weeks, we have been walking through some of the Psalms. We're calling this series uh, Real People in a Real World, Following the Real God. The Psalms deal, they're ancient songs is what the Psalms are, the ancient hymns, and they deal with some pretty raw emotion, the Psalms, things that we still deal with today. And so we've been walking through those and talking about some of the issues that the Psalms raised, and today we'll do that again. And we're going to be in Psalm chapter 90. Now, most of the Psalms, most of the Psalms were written by a man named who? Who wrote most of the Psalms, if you know? David. David wrote most of the Psalms, right? David and Goliath, that David, King David, he wrote most of the Psalms. But Psalm 90 is not written by David. Does anyone know who Psalm 90 is written by? It's right there in the first line in case you need to cheat. Who wrote Psalm 90? Moses wrote Psalm 90. You know Moses, right? He led the people out of uh, Egypt, uh, led them across into uh, you know across the Red Sea, and uh, looked a lot like the guy from Ben Hur, Moses. And so that's Moses who wrote this psalm. So Psalm chapter ninety, Psalm chapter ninety. This is what Moses writes: Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You return man to dust and say, return, O children of man. For a thousand years in your sight are but as yesterday when it is past, or as a watch in the night. You sweep them away with a flood, they are like a dream, like grass that is renewed in the morning. In the morning it flourishes and is renewed, in the evening it fades and withers. For we are brought to an end by your anger. By your wrath we are dismayed. You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins, in the light of your presence. For all our days pass away under your wrath. We bring our years to an end like a sigh. The years of our life are 70, or even by reason of strength, 80. Yet their span is but toil and trouble. They are soon gone, and we fly away. Who considers the power of your anger and your wrath according to the fear of you? So teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. 
Return, O Lord, how long? Have pity on your servants. Satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love, that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. Make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us, and for as many years as we have seen evil. Let your work be shown to your servants, and let your glorious power to their children. Let the favor of the Lord our God be upon us and establish the work of our hands. Yes, establish the work of our hands. Moses brings up a topic in this psalm that we don't often like to think about and we don't often like to talk about. And in thinking about this psalm, I decided uh, in this last week or so to do, to do a, little, a little research. I often shy away from research. It takes a lot of energy and a lot of effort, and who has the time? But this week I did, I did uh, some research in thinking about this psalm because Moses brings up a topic we don't like to think about, doesn't he? Moses brings up the topic of death in this psalm, that life is going to end one day. And in very Allison Krausean language, he says, we will all fly away. We don't like to think about that too often, but yet Moses brings it up, and you can't really read this psalm without thinking about it. And there's something inside of us that just doesn't even want to go there and doesn't even want to think about. So I I did a little research. What I did was I decided to go back and ask myself, is Moses right when he says this? Is Moses right that eventually every single one of us, our lives are going to come to an end? Is that correct, or is Moses wrong? And I went back, and I did some research. I went all the way back to the year 0 AD, and I looked at the years 0 AD to 1850 AD, and then I broke those years up into segments. So I looked at 0 AD to 500 AD, and 500 AD to 1000 AD, and 1000 AD to 1500 AD, and then I took a smaller segment. I looked at 1500 AD to 1850 AD just to see just to see if anyone was able to escape what Moses is talking about here. And I'm here to to report to you that unfortunately nobody was. In fact, I graphed it for you so that you could see. And this is what my research looked like uh, once the graph was complete. That really no one was able to escape. 100% of the people, 100% of the people that have lived from 0 AD to 1850 AD, uh, they have passed away. And then I thought to myself, but maybe, maybe there have been a lot of advances in in science and medicine these days. In fact, diseases that were once incurable are now uh, quite curable. And in fact, I was reading in the New York Times this week that, did you know life expectancy in the United States has doubled since the year 1800? And so in fact, around 1900, uh, it was expected that you would live to about 50 years old, maybe even a little less, around 49 years of age. Today, it's reasonable to think most of us in this room will live, will live past 80 years old. And so I thought maybe with all the advances in, in medical science and everything else and the life expectancy, maybe someone has found a solution uh, to this very inconvenient truth that is death. And I did some Googling, and I, I, I'm sorry to report to you that as of now, as of now, no one has solved the problem. And you would say to me, but wait, but wait, did not... Indiana Jones find the Holy Grail? (laughs) And he did, but that's fiction. So there's really no solution to this problem. What Moses says is true. In fact, he even... uh, 
even though this is thousands of years ago, really gets about the length of time correct, doesn't he? For most of us, 70 years, and if we have the strength, 80. And then our days end, Moses says. And all of us really have to deal with this reality that our time is limited in some way. And the question for us becomes, what are we going to do about that? What are we going to do about the reality that our time is limited? And I think that overall, if I was to broadly categorize how we respond to that question, everyone has to deal with it. You follow Jesus, you don't follow Jesus. Uh, you have to deal with this reality, right? Our time is limited, and at some point, life is going to end on this earth, and we have to think about that sometimes, and we have to deal with it. And I would say broadly in our world, there's really three ways that people deal with this. There's probably more, but maybe three broad categories. Some people, they just go ahead and fight it tooth and nail, don't they? Some people just fight it. They refuse to accept that this is the reality, and so they're going to go after it, and if they can change it, they will. In fact, there's a whole group of, of very wealthy people in our world that are actively starting companies and trying to uh, solve this issue and come to a solution so that life on this earth doesn't have and end. I'll give you two examples. There's one man named William Andreg who started a couple years ago a business in Silicon Valley, and it was named Halcyon Molecular. And the entire goal of the business was to find a way for humans to live uh, forever. In fact, uh, William Andreg, when he started the company, he got up and he said, listen, I intend to live for millions and billions, and if not hundreds of billions of years on this planet. The company uh, went out of business in a year, yeah. <laughs> but it didn't change the fact that William Andreg was really willing to stand up and fight it. There's another uh, Russian multimillionaire named Dmitry it Itzkoff, and he started a project, and if you Google it, you can read all about it. He started a project called Freedom 2045, and he has promised at many uh, seminars and, and scholarly gatherings and things that by 2045, his uh, organization will have a way for humans to live uh, infinitely as long as we're willing to make the jump into mechanical bodies. So basically, what Dimitri is going to do is he's going to find a way to remove our brains and put them into a robot, and in that way, we will live on forever. And some people, some people, they're dead serious about this. Some people, they fight this reality. If they can find a way to change it, find a way to fix it, live longer, be better, they're going to find that solution. Others of us, and probably more of us than the first category, do these last two, we find ways to distract ourselves from it, don't we? Someone who's so, uh, somewhat famously uh, nervous about death or skittish about death is, is the comedian and director and actor Woody Allen. Doesn't like to deal with the subject that much. And in numerous interviews that I, that I read with Woody Allen, he said the reason he makes movies is to distract himself 
uh, from the reality that his life is going to end one day, that he can't stop thinking about it otherwise. And so he gets involved in the movie-making process, and as long as he's making the movie and going through the process, then he doesn't have to think about these bigger questions and these bigger ideas. And I think for many of us, we end up in that same place, don't we, where we b- make ourselves so busy, and our, our phone and our tablet is dinging and buzzing so much, and we have so much stuff packed into our day, and we never sit in silence. We always make sure that there's noise coming from somewhere, from the television or the radio or our phone or something, so that we never have to deal with the bigger questions and the deeper realities. We never really have to think about the fact that one day life will be over and our life is going to end. We are very good at distracting ourselves from that reality. And some of us fight it. Some of us distract ourselves from it. I think a large majority of us, though, we accept it, and then we go ahead and we figure out a plan. I think that's probably most of us. I think most of us would say this morning, all right, I, I get it. I understand my time here is temporary. I understand that life is going to end. So here's the deal. I accept that reality, and so I'm going to get busy planning my days so that I make the most of the time that I have. So we hear quotes from the movie, like the quote from the movie Braveheart, where William Wallace stands up and he says, every man dies, but not every man lives. And we take that, we write it on a post-it note, we put it up on the, on the mirror so that we remember it. Or we, we get Abraham Lincoln's quote that it's not the amount of years in a life, but it's the amount of life that's in the years. And we get a quote like that and we say to ourselves, all right, my time is temporary, but I'm going to make the most of the time that I have here. I'm going to plan out my days and motivate myself to get up and do the things that I have to do so that I use my time wisely. In fact, there's a watch that you can buy to help you with this. It's called the Ticker Watch, and you could go on Amazon or wherever you want right now, and you could buy one. The Ticker Watch uses a mathematical formula to calculate your death date. And then your death date is inputted into the watch. I didn't make this up. This is real. In the watch, and then you put it on your wrist. And the whole idea is that every time you look down to see the time, you can see the time of day, but there is a clock that is ticking down the seconds. And the whole idea is that you will be motivated to take the temporary time that you have and to use it wisely. Now, I don't know any of us that are going to go out and buy this watch. Maybe, maybe you will. But, uh, but I think this is where most of us land when it comes to this, this issue. I think many of us, you know, some of us fight it. Some of us distract ourselves from it. I think a lot of us, what we would say is, all right, I get it. I get it. I, I know this is going to end one day. So I'm going to figure out how I can motivate myself with quotes or a watch or otherwise. I'm going to figure out how I can motivate myself so that I plan out my days well and I prioritize things and I make enough money and I treat my family a certain way and I, and I love those who love me and do all of those important things. I'm going to plan out my days well. The challenge that Moses gives us this morning in Psalm 90 is I think Moses would come to us and say, listen, all three of those plans are flawed in two major ways. All three of those approaches have two big problems with them. The first problem is nobody knows their death date. That's the first big problem. None of us know exactly how much time it is that we have left. And very tragically, things happen. 
that none of us expect to happen. And we just never know, do we? Exactly how much time we have left. And the second thing, the second thing that I think Moses would come to us and say is that every one of our normal approaches to this big problem that we have, that life is temporary, every one of our approaches forgets the fact that even though life is temporary here, life is eternal afterwards. We forget the reality that even though life is temporary here, that even though life has an ending in this place, that even though we get 70 years or 80 years if we have the strength, like Moses says, that life is eternal afterwards. We forget that life on earth is very short, but life after earth is very long. Moses, however, remembers that truth. Moses remembers that God is the one who knows. God is the one who knows exactly how much time he has left on this earth. And Moses remembers that we have an eternity that is waiting for us after we get off of this planet. In fact, in verses 1 and 2, this is what Moses says. Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. And Moses recognizes this reality right away, and he says very clearly, God is eternal. God has always existed, and he will always exist. And so Moses does something in this psalm that's very different from what we most often do. In recognizing that God is the one who knows and recognizing that we have an eternity waiting for us after this earth, Moses decides that he's going to plan out his days. But he does something very different than what we often do. When we think about planning out our days, I don't know how you go about it. I don't know if you're someone who just has a list of priorities and then you live out your days. I don't know if you're somebody who likes to plan even more than that and you have your, your days planned so that you're, you're maximizing your time. But Moses does something very different than what we often do. Recognizing, recognizing that God is the one who knows and recognizing that we have eternity waiting for us when we leave this earth, rather than Moses sitting down with a calendar or going online and buying the ticker watch and trying to motivate himself to live a certain way, Moses gets on his knees and he says to God, God, how do you want me to live my days? Not how am I going to live my days? How am I going to plan this out? What are my priorities going to be? What is it that I'm going to do today, tomorrow? How much into this account? How much into that account? How can I make sure that this is all in place? How can I get this all done? Moses says, I don't even know how much time I have left. And by the way, there's an eternity waiting for me. So rather than me sitting down and planning out my life, how about I go to the God who is eternal and I ask him how he wants me to plan out my days? And it's so subtle in the psalm. We can read these verses and say, teach us to number our days aright that we may get a heart of wisdom and say to ourselves, yes, I am going to motivate myself to live a better life and do the things that I should be doing and have strong priorities. But that's not what Moses is doing here. He's not saying this proverb and then moralizing it and saying, I'm going to pull up my bootstraps and I'm going to do better myself. 
Moses is recognizing that God is the one who is eternal and God who is the one who is in control. And so rather than him coming up with the plan, why doesn't he go to the one who has the plan and ask him what it is that he wants him to do? And when's the last time you've been planning out your career or your family or your finances? And before you did anything else, you sat down and you prayed. And you said, God, we don't, I don't want to do anything here. Our family doesn't want to do anything here. Until we ask you first, what is it that you want us to do? We could come up with a plan, and it might be a great plan. We might be able to, to, to build up a great bank account. We might be able to build a great career. We might be able to, to do great things in the time that we have left. But when was the last time that you sat down and you spent time in prayer, and rather than coming up with the plan yourself, we asked God what his plan is for us? The great preacher, uh, Dr. Tony Evans out of Dallas, he he has a statement that I, I really uh, appreciate, and if, if you, you may have heard me say it before, he says that if we really want to know how old we are, we shouldn't tell our age by our birth date, we should tell our age by our death date. Dr. Evans says, you really want to know how old you are? Don't think about how many years have passed since you were born, think about how many years are left in your life. He said the challenge with that is, uh, if you're 20 years old, I'll take myself, I'm 35. If you're 35 years old, and if I'm going to live until I'm 95, I'm still relatively young. But if I'm going to live until I'm 36, I am very old. The problem is, I don't know. I can take precautions. I can live wisely. But at the end of the day, I don't know. But there is someone who knows. God knows. So why wouldn't I go to the one who knows? Why wouldn't I go to the one who sits in eternity and ask him how I should live my life? He may ask me to do something that doesn't make any sense. He may ask me to do something that goes against what I would think is the wise thing to do otherwise. He may ask me to do something that seems a little, a little crazy to the people around me, but it's because he knows. He knows. We kind of like the idea that even though our life is temporary on this earth, that we can somehow make it last even after we're gone. You know, on your uh, Facebook account, did you know you can designate a legacy contact? Last year, Facebook introduced this new uh, feature where you can go and you can, you can have a legacy contact. So that way, when you die, your legacy contact can go into your Facebook profile and continue to post things on your timeline not, not sure why, but they can continue to post things on your timeline. They can continue to post pictures. They continue to like things that you would have liked if you were still here to like them. 
And we like this idea, we, we kind of like this idea that, you know, time will end here. We, we get it, we understand it, you wish I'd stop saying it, but we understand that like our time will end here, but we like the idea that maybe somehow we can do something so that life will, so people will remember us and will continue on this earth. The reality is when we pass away, What happens is kind of like what happens in a sporting event when someone gets injured. The game's being played and someone gets injured and everybody stops. The players stop, the officials stop, the fans stop. They run out onto the field. People take a knee and pray. They take the injured player off and the game goes on. In fact, I was hard-pressed to find a single event where the game actually ended because of an injury. It's tough to find. Usually they get the injured player out of there, and then the game goes on. And it's similar with this world. People pause, say a prayer, but eventually life goes on. I remember one time a couple years ago, Pastor Rick was on this stage, and I was, I was sitting over there listening to him preach, and he was talking about this kind of idea, and he said, he said, think about your grandparents' names. And I thought about my grandparents' names, and he said, now think about your great-grandparents' names. And I thought to myself, well, I know, I know a couple of my great-grandparents' names, not all of them, but I know a few. In fact, I got to meet a couple. I remember when I was a kid meeting a couple of my great-grandparents. So I thought of their names. He said, now think of your great-great-grandparents' names. And I didn't know a single one. He said, that's your family. And how quickly we move on. And how quickly we forget. The reality is, is that life doesn't continue on this earth, but the reality also is that life does continue on the other side of this earth. That you and I, when our life, our life is short here, just like Moses brings up, but just like Moses say, says, God lasts from everlasting until everlasting. And while we're on this earth, we have a choice to make. Will we follow him? Will we do what he's asking us to do? That will we, will we put our trust in Jesus Christ? Will we go after him? Will we live our life the way he's calling us to live so that when we're off of this earth, we may spend our eternity with him, or will we go our own way and do our own thing and ignore his pleas and ignore the call, and when we're off of this earth, spend our eternity apart from him? We would be wise when we are planning out our days to do what Moses did and to realize that the most important part of planning is praying and to go to the God who lives in eternity and who knows all and sees all and created all and ask him, how is it that you want me to spend my days? You know, this is what Jesus did. You can read about it at the end of Matthew, Mark, or Luke. If you've ever seen a movie about the life of Jesus, this is usually one of the, the pivotal scenes. It's right before Jesus is, is betrayed and handed over to be crucified. We find him in a garden called Gethsemane. And he's praying to his father. 
And Jesus, I'm going to paraphrase his words a little bit. Jesus basically says to his father, he says to God, listen, God, if I was going to plan my life out, if I was going to pick how I was going to spend my days, if I was going to come up with a plan, I would come up with a different plan than me having to die on the cross tomorrow. I would come up with a different plan is what he's praying. And he's wrestling with God. And he's saying, if there's any other way, Father, if there's any other, other path my life can take, would you please allow that to happen rather than me going to the cross? And then at the very end of his prayer, he says these words. He says, yet not my will, but what does he say? Your will be done. Jesus says, God, if I could plan this thing out, if I could plan my days out, I would do it differently. I'm not looking forward to the cross tomorrow. But at the end of the day, you are God in heaven. You are my father. You are the one who exists for all eternity. You are the one that knows the greater plan. You are the one who has created the days I have. And so at the end of the day, what does it matter what I would plan? God, all that matters is what you would plan. And so I am willing to do what it is that you want me to do. And because Jesus took that path, because Jesus in his planning first went to praying, you and I can have eternal life because he went to that cross and he died on that cross and he rose again for your sins and for my sins that if we put our trust in him, we might have life everlasting. And so just as Jesus went to his father and said, God, when it comes to planning out my days, I wanna know what your plan is. So we go to the father and we say to him, God, I could make a great plan for my life. I could come up with something, but more than that, I am interested in what you want me to do. Teach me, God, to number my days well that I might get a heart of wisdom. Teach me to count my days rightly as the God who sits in heaven, as the God who is eternal. And here I am on this earth for a short amount of time. What do you want me to do? It's so different than how we often plan our lives, isn't it? Most of the time we go to God and we say, God, here's the plan. Would you bless it? Would you make it happen? Would you work it out for us? When's the last time you sat down as an individual? When's the last time you sat down with your spouse? When's the last time you sat down as a family and you said, God, we can come up with a plan here, but we want to know what is your plan for our days? When it comes to planning, the most important step is praying. I'm going to invite our worship team to come as we close this morning, and I'm going to invite you, if you would, just to bow your head with me and think about this for a moment. Maybe this idea that life is short here, but life lasts for an eternity after this earth is something that you haven't spent much time thinking about. It's something that you haven't spent much time concentrating on, but now that we talk about this morning, you feel some sort of tug in your heart, and you're saying to yourself, this is something that I need to be thinking about, that my life here is temporary, but eventually I'm going to leave this earth, and my life will be, will be uh, happening for an eternity somewhere. I want you to know this morning you can know for sure that that eternity will be spent with God himself. 
that Jesus Christ came that we might have life eternal. And if we put our trust in him and we follow him, and you may not even know 100% what that means this morning, but you know that you feel in your heart it's the right thing to do, that you would put your trust in him and follow him, you can know for sure that when your time is done in this place, your eternity will be, be with God after. And I'd invite you to do that this morning. Just to say a prayer between you and the Lord, between you and Jesus himself. Tell him you want to know his plan for your life. And for those of us in here that say we follow Jesus Christ, I know for myself this week, it is convicting to think about when is the last time I've truly sat down and I've prayed and I said, okay, God, what is your plan here? I can figure out my plan, but what is your plan for my days? God, would you teach me to number my days correctly? And this morning, if you're in this place and you're thinking about what you're going to do tomorrow or next year or 10 years from now, I just would ask that you would take a moment this morning Take a moment this afternoon with your spouse or with your family and spend time in God's presence asking him, Lord, what is it that you want us to do? What's the plan that you have for our life? I can promise you God's plan is better than anything we come up with on our own. So God, this morning as we just sang, we pray that you will take our lives, take all of us, and that you will help us to number our days well. God, would we live in anticipation of the reality that our time here is temporary because we know that even though our time is temporary, we have an eternity ahead of us with you. And so would we live with that reality in mind? And would we do what it is that you want us to do? Holy Spirit, speak to us. Tell us what your plan is. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.